Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This episode is brought to you by Alienware. During Dell Tech Fest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Your dream setup, amazing prices, and free shipping await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com deals. That's Alienware.com deals. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Oh, hello, Internet, and welcome to Season 237, Episode 5 of the Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is, this is, this is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness. It's Friday. It's f***ing Friday. Thank you, Satan. Uh, May 20th, 2022. It's NASCAR Day, if you so take in that kind of thing. It's also International Red Sneakers Day. I don't know what that means. Uh, and also, National Rescue Dog Day. Shout out to Rescue Dog. Shout out my dog, Rimby. Rescue them. Like, oh, hell yeah. So good since that rescue. My name is Miles Gray, a.k.a. Miles' eyes are 2010. He can see better than Miles' eyes. Are far too good. He can see better than, better than, better than you. Okay, shout out to uh, who was that? Melisande and also Hal Marion on the Discord because yes, I got the LASIK. Yes, my vision is 2010. Yes, I'm seeing shit on the moon. That's just how it is. So uh, thank you for you know honoring that in the form of song. And today I'm thrilled to be joined by my guest co-host. 
you know, one of my favorite homies uh, to get on the Aww. mic with. You know, somebody who's a hilarious comedian, a writer, an actor, the iconic podcast, Pod Yourself a Gun, the Sopranos podcast, is mm-hmm. in its final season. Because That's right. it's a watch-along show. It only There's only so many things you can talk there's about. There's a but finite amount. Exactly. It's the final season, the final countdown. Please welcome today's guest co-host, Matt Lee. Hey, don't welcome, welcome, stop. Matt. Matt leaving, Ooh. hold on to that Matt Lee feeling. That's Ooh. a shout out to both myself and the uh, final episode of The Sopranos, which we're going to yeah. be covering next week. Nice. Yeah, man, I'm so glad you died. Be... Well, he that's died, the right? question, isn't it? It just it just goes black. Screen goes when black. You, okay, when you Screen watched that last episode of Sopranos, what did you do? I hit did, my was... fucking TV and I called okay, my cable provider. Thing? Yeah, yes. I did that too. The whole world did the same thing. No Everyone, way. They hit their TV and they were like, no, fuck, fuck. And then they, they saw the credits come up and they're like, and they're this like is, what? This is impossible that <laughs> David Chase and HBO would end the greatest series of all time with a prank is the most <laughs> insane thing that you can possibly think of for an ending. But that's what they did. And you know what? God bless them. Bless God bless him for doing that because it. there's something about disdain for your fan base that I, I that speaks to me and my soul. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Like you need you it. don't you you don't let the fans control your art. You mm-hmm. control your art and you let the piggies lap it up. Exactly. That's what I say. That's and so exactly. yeah, so good for good for David Chase ending the show with a prank. Let the piggies TV. lap it up. Isn't that what Rembrandt said? That's what Rembrandt once said. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. That was what Oscar Wilde once said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, guess who we've got in our third seat? Who? Finally. Finally, 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 this person is coming to the stage, the metaphorical stage. Yes. Somebody who I've known for a minute, and I was like, why are we, you, you need to come on Daily Zeit, guys. Well, the planets so happen to align, and today's guest is a wonderful human being who loves to share his infinite knowledge with the people and make things, maybe the most complex things, much easier to understand. Maybe take something you like and may have straight up fucking ruined it for you. Who knows? Uh, You may know him from the show, Adam Ruins Everything. I know I do. You may have known him from the college humor days. Or maybe you turned on Netflix today and you saw, what is this, the G word with Adam Conover? Uh, okay. I guess that is today's guest. Please welcome the brilliant Adam Conover. Hello. Hello. Oh my gosh. It's so wonderful being here. What an introduction. My incredible. Straight off the dome. Straight off the dome. Straight off the dome. What do you expect? What do you expect? How are you, man? (laughs) I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. The show just came out. I'm like, this podcast is a nice break from me name searching on Twitter uh, to see (laughs) what people are saying about the show, which I'm going to be doing for the next week. Are you really searching your own name like that? Or just to kind of see the vibe? Of course I am. Who doesn't? Of course. Who doesn't do that? There's literally, there's not a person in the world who does not name search themselves, who has even the smallest public persona. I'll tell you this. I did it. When I had a YouTube channel, I used to do it, and I couldn't. I I got so in my own head reading other people's words about me. I was like, "Oh, this yeah. doesn't help me at all." So I no. actually, I've 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 like cauterized that part of my ego. That, it's like, it terrible. To that, good for it's you. It's terrible. And there are many there are many times that I have cut myself off from doing it, and I have stopped mm-hmm. doing it. But right now, the show is coming out. Yeah, and I'm also specifically, honestly, trying to build more on social i'm doing tiktok i'm on a tiktok diet i'm making yeah. myself make tiktoks every day oh god because i'm good i'm good on there i uh, my shit works on tiktok 
I'm like, fuck, now I have to invest time in TikTok because if I do, I will become measurably more famous. And so I like have to spend time on there. And so I'm just having to do it. At some point, I'm going to have to detox. But you want to know the sickest thing I do? This is not even what I'm here to talk about. You want to know the sickest thing (laughs) that I do? do. Obviously. I will search. You know how people, when they want to talk about someone, but they don't want that person or their fans <laughs> to find it out, and they'll put stars yeah. in yeah. the person's oh, name? you're doing permutations? I name search myself with the stars in to see if people are talking shit about me when trying to not find out that I am. And guess what, you fucking anime avatars, you furries. You, you, it's, it's people on the deep, the deep, deep part of Twitter yeah, who are doing yeah. this. And they're not saying anything. This, this, uh, the, people almost never have that strong of an opinion about me that they want to do right. that. But um, yeah. yes, I'm a true name search sicko right now. Hopefully in a month I can take a break and stop doing it. Yeah. I say keep it going, dude. Keep it going. Yeah, <laughs> keep it going. We might as well. Just but you got to know what the piggies are saying about you. That's the thing. Yeah, slop, slop. I mean, I'm a, slop, slop, I'm a stand-up slop, slop. comic. You know, a stand-up comic, you you expose yourself to the audience's judgment, whether they yes. laugh or not. So that's that's what got me into this in the first place. Mm. And so name searching on Twitter is the closest you get on social media to seeing if you got a laugh. You know? I put a, yeah. a Google alert of myself uh, that I've had on for years now. And it was, um, there's this other Matt Lieb who's like a really good high school athlete. <laughs> and he gets a lot of press and I'm getting kind of tired of his ass. What sport so, is yeah. the famous Matt Lieb play? I think he was playing baseball. Uh, I was going to say, that sounds like a baseball name. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. There's no, <laughs> there's no Matt, Matt Lieb. Matt is just like, like yeah. yeah. You're a baseball player. You're Number Matt. one draft pick of the NBA, Matt Lieb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have that too. There's a guy, an Adam Conover in I think Iowa, who is like a champion pig raiser. Like oh. he was a high school student who was winning competitions, blue ribbons for his pigs. And I followed his whole career because I would get alerts for him. And then eventually he joined like the pork board of Iowa or whatever. And now he's like, uh, you know, a big muckety muck in the pork raising industry. Wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. Good, a, good for that. Adam Conover. I say that's kind of a I really like that. I, Adam Conover, I got to say, <laughs> I mean, just the raising pigs is that well, he's raising like, them to kill them. This man has killed a lot of pigs. Well, sometimes you got to kill the pigs, man. (laughs) This is how it boils down. But yeah, uh, I mean, we're going to get to know you better, Adam. Going to talk about the new show. We're going to obviously talk about, you know, just some things you've been looking into. Uh, But first, we got to tell the listeners what we're going to be talking about today on this Friday. First, just want to, you know, the continued disconnect between legislators and workers continues. But in in this context, Talking about the pandemic and everyone insisting like, well, hospitalizations are low. That's fine. Completely unaware or just ignorant of the fact what is actually happening with healthcare workers? What is the last two years? What, what has that been like that uh, for them? And maybe our system is already like past the point of being strained. But again, we use these interesting metrics to soothe ourselves. So we'll look a little bit past that and look at the, I guess, the human reality of that all. Uh, we'll also obviously got to talk about the Freudian slip of the fucking century from George <laughs> Bush too. Because uh, my goodness, oopsie. Yeah, seriously, I, I'm 75. <laughs> <laughs> a million dead erect. Hey man, war crimes are, are there's there's a statute of limitations if you're 75 and slip up. <laughs> uh, okay, so that, and we'll also talk about a fucking new research study that's come out that I want to just used to dunk on my mom and all my teachers that who told me video games will rob my brain. Okay, study showing it actually can increase intelligence. And More we'll get into, brain. Yeah, exactly. What that is uh, and what that isn't. But first, we got to ask you, Adam, what's something 
besides your name and all the permutations using asterisks, have you been searching recently? <laughs> oh What's my god! The, here's the thing: I was go- that was what I was gonna use for the answer <laughs> to this question was because I, I saw that they said, "Hey, you got to be ready with a Google right. search." I'm like, "Well, I name search," and then I happened to just drop it too early and ruin my entire answer to this question. I have once again ruined myself. <laughs> You've what the hell do I search? Else. Here's my problem. I don't use Google. I use DuckDuckGo. And okay. DuckDuckGo does not remember your search history. Okay, so, you think back. Think back. Come on. This is a good thought experiment. All right. All right. Let me find. Let What's me the last look, thing you DuckDuckGo'd? I'm going to look it yeah. up directly. I'm going to find out exactly what it was. Uh, okay. I'm working on a, the last, the literal last thing I searched for was I'm working on a new pitch, a pitch for a new television show. I can't talk about mm-hmm. what that is. But okay. for the pitch document, I had to write in some funny trivia team names. It's a game show is the idea. Okay. We're pitching a game show and we're, we're, there's going to be teams and they're going to pick names for themselves. And so for the pitch document, I looked up, I was like, well, give me a list of funny trivia team names. And I found like a whole, just like SEO shit pile of like websites you would not believe would have trivia team name lists parade.com scarymommy.com and they're just full of shitty real really terrible offensive racist like trivia team of names course. for if you if you have yeah. for pub trivia you're like I, I need to come up with a funny name and there's all these fucking lists um that was literally <laughs> yeah. the last thing that i searched for and, and you were uh, trying to get like inspired uh, yes, I was trying to get inspired. I was trying to rip off the work of some unfunny people for my for my pitch. Document. I love yeah, the yeah. idea that there's rate like people like, all right, the winner is ugh, the greedy Jews again. <laughs> I don't know why you guys insist on naming your team the greedy Jews, but they're really good at trivia. I know it's spelled juice. <laughs> like, oh, the previous thing fuckers. I searched for to give you one more was I was trying to find the most effective climate charity and i was looking for websites that evaluate climate related you know charities because i was looking at my charitable giving and i was trying to figure out what climate group i wanted to donate to and i was trying to find trying to find that um, did you did find you a find, good one yeah we'll say, like, uh, I, found some, <laughs> I found some pretty good recommendations the recommendations from a group called givinggreen.earth which tries to use metrics to Earth. figure out which are the most effective uh their recommendations are let me pull them up there's one called evergreen collaborative they used mm-hmm. to recommend Sunrise Movement, and I'm a fan of Sunrise Movement. And so I was starting to dig into their criteria. Why are they no longer recommending Sunrise Movement? Why are they now rec- re- recommending these other groups? And then I was like, wait, I have actual work to do. I can research this later. And I closed the right, tab. Right, right, right. And that's what mm-hmm. I did okay. earlier today. I like that. I like that. Are these good answers, or is this extremely boring? Yeah. You've learned something about no. me. Exactly. Okay, we learned cool. that you look, guys, if you want to fuck with Adam Conover, just start doing just, some bullshit tweets with his name. Yeah. <laughs> he might write search. some random shit and put all the <laughs> asterisks you want. He will find you. He will figure it out. Yeah. He will, I'll like, try. Let's do an asterisk on the second day. Let's do an asterisk on the first day. <laughs> yeah. Right. Every oh, single man. permutation. Like yeah. Nine factorial. Exactly, man. That luck, luckily you got that legendary hairline, Adam, because they might start putting you Adam Comb over if shit went yeah. south. Yeah, whoa, line, you're right. It's you're right. it's creeped up a little bit, but I don't think it's going any further. Look, I saw age. you in person, man. I was I was looking dead at your hairline the whole time. I was like, God damn it, he still got it. Yeah, you do have like you have <laughs> magical hair. hair. Thank you. Yeah, nice. it's crazy. It's, it's my wild. one feature. It's wild. Uh, the one thing you got going for, I mean, aside from all the other great things done, but yeah, man, <laughs> uh, what's something you think is overrated, Adam? 
Oh my God. Something I think is overrated. The first, okay. It's so like cliche of me to say this, but I used to enjoy the Marvel movies. I used to like them. And mm. I finally saw the Spider-Man movie and I was like, this is what, this is what people were excited about. <laughs> that, that Dr. Octopus from the previous movie showed up. I enjoyed seeing Dr. Octopus, but then he had nothing yeah. to do in this movie. He just stands around and goes, ah, I'm mad to be in a cage. And that's about it. And then <laughs> the other two Spider-Mans show up. We got two other Spider-Mans. Yeah. And they just stand around doing shtick. Like they're Yay. just like they're just like doing fucking a, a duo comedy act and like that's it. And they do that for like 45 minutes. They just stand around in a living room mm -hmm. and go like, You're Spider-Man? Hey, hey, blah, 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 blah. And they just do like fucking <laughs> on banter. First. I clap yeah. the whole 45 minutes. I clap it, whole time because uh, that's <laughs> Spider-Man from all Spider-Mans. Do you remember? But you remember first Spider-Man, Adam? There's, it's the meme. It's the meme yeah, where they point at they each all, other. They point each other. Yeah. <sighs> so I, I mean, it's like turning the turning the little bit of fan service that's fun into the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. Like that's not a whole movie. The actual the, the movie itself had no story whatsoever. The mm -hmm. story was Peter Parker is upset that his friends didn't get into the school of their choice. Yeah. And so he went and bothered Dr. Strange. He just was like being annoying at Dr. Strange and then caused a big <laughs> tragedy. In a story, you want the problem to be caused by the character's fatal flaw, right? Like sure. whatever their character problem is, and mm. then that causes the story to start, and then they have to work through that flaw in order to solve the problem. Well, he's too in much this of case, the problem was caused by Peter Parker can't shut up for 30 seconds. Great. Nice little <laughs> bit of comedy. But that's what caused the whole thing. Hey, there's no story. Instead, they're just like, hey, look, 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 we got Andrew Garfield. Oh, wow. You got Andrew Garfield. I'm so <laughs> right. fucking impressed. He Incredible. was self-aware. He, he knew that his Spider-Man was worse Spider-Man. So it was fun because he knew. <laughs> was it? Was it fun? I mean, no, I, look, I was, was on, fun. I was on like a 10-hour flight. And yeah. it ate up two and a half hours of the flight. And so I, I, I'm not mad at it for that reason. But yeah. but in I, your mind, you're like, you could. what would you like to have seen? If, if you're directing it, you got three Spider-Mans, three Spider-Mans. <laughs> you have endless Spider-Mans. What would you make? Yeah. Well, I, Are they I, fighting I together? I wouldn't have made that the new Spider-Man movie. They oh, just right. fucking just like did that in Into the Spider-Verse. They yeah. just did it. They just did the multiverse and other Spider-Mans show up. And now they're doing that again. And then the new Doctor Strange movie is, again, we're doing multiverse. Like, these motherfuckers made the right. same movie three times. What is the, what is going on? Right. Like, well, I, you, know, you know, the Marvel movies at their best, what I'm impressed by is that was when they surprise you with what they're doing. Like the first Taika Waititi Thor movie. I'm right. like, oh, wow, that felt original and fresh. I still have concerns sure. about, you know, the overall consolidation and like media control of like creativity that like, great, people are exposed to Taika Waititi, not in his original work, but in his, you know, in his use of Thor. Right. But hey, at right. the very least, I was like, oh, wow, this has a lot more character. This is interesting compared to all the other Thor movies. Right. right. At least but, they let him make a movie with his own artistic choices. Whereas yeah. they, I don't think they've let a single director do that since. Well, you know what they did was uh, Ryan Johnson with The Last Jedi. Right. Oh, like, that, yeah, that was great. I, I I enjoyed that movie. If someone else says they don't it. enjoy it, I have no problem with that. But at the very mm -hmm. least, Ryan Johnson was empowered to make choices in the movie, right? Mm -hmm. And to, like, do some shit. And then 
he made that movie and they were like, no, we don't want people to do that anymore. And they were yeah, like, everything exactly, that he yeah. said didn't happen. It all was, right. um, they, uh, some people, there was a wormhole and none of that happened. And, um, uh, Rose Tico, uh, she doesn't exist. She, exactly. uh, she was shot in the head. She doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> and, and now, um, okay. And all your friends, they all show up at the end and Chewbacca's there and everybody shows up to help at the end. Is that good? No. And nobody liked that either. Right. <laughs> well, that's the thing is that the problem is, and I've said this before, I'll say it again. Don't listen to the piggies. The piggies are there to eat the slop. They are not there to judge the slop. They're there to eat the Throw slop. Throw the slop out. Exactly. And I'm yeah. tired of it, of like people being like, oh no, the piggies are mad. We should make the slop more to their liking. Yeah. It's like they're never all going to agree on the slop. They're pigs. <laughs> They need to find that, like, their inner Will Ferrell in that dog food sketch from SNL when he's like, yeah. oh, that's right. You're a fucking dog. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Who gives a shit? Oh, that's, God. Yeah. That is so the best take on this I've ever heard. That's the best take on this I've ever heard. The pigs heard. are running the slop house. The pigs are running the slop house. This is why I, I live by that. I'm so, like, that's why I like The Sopranos. David Chase, he said, fuck you, piggies. We're just going to end with a prank. Well, I think yeah. that's a bigger discussion about art, right, too, is yeah. like you, th there's some artists who clearly express their artistic vision, and that's yes. what they do. They said, here's my work. Respond to it. React to it how you will. Others yes. are clearly making art as a response to what they see and how an audience is going to take that in. Right. And that's typically not the, the kind of art that is the most, you know, uh, impactful. You know, yeah. right? usually these true expressions of artistry that wow people like everything everywhere all at once. Yeah, there you go. Like that. And people are like, wow, look at that. I don't think the piggies are running that slop house. No, they're they not. They just did that shit and everyone's mind was blown. So, exactly. yeah, there's something did you guys to say see the new that. Matrix, the, the new Matrix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. is the perfect counterexample because the new Matrix is Lana Wachowski mm -hmm. saying, here's what I here is what the fucking movie was about. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you, this is what I was trying to do. And I'm going to have a direct conversation with you, the audience. Hey, remember you? Remember this movie I made? Remember <laughs> right. this movie? Like, you loved this movie, didn't you? I loved making the movie. But hey, guess what? We're 20 years older now, right? Yeah. Things are looking a little bit different. And a lot of people misunderstood the movie. But here's what it was actually about. And here are my thoughts on it now. And mm -hmm. I'm going to share. And here's my thoughts on the fact that I'm making this fucking movie at all. Yes. Like, it's kind of bullshit that I'm even making this. But you know what? Here's what I believe about the world. And here's what I believe about life. And this is my statement. And she said that right. so directly. I've never felt a director more. I've never felt more on the same page, the director, where they were like, here's mm -hmm. what I'm about. And I was like, I hear what you're about. I see it. Thank you mm -hmm. for telling me about it. And you know what? That movie didn't do as well as it needed to for the they gave her so much money to make that movie mm -hmm. and it did not make the money back and thank god like yes. thank god yes. that that's what happened because right. that's how it should be we want messy auteurs when people you know everyone now is reevaluating the star wars prequels and saying oh the pre the george lucas prequels were were better than we than what we are getting now and mm -hmm. The reason is George Lucas completely forgot how to make a movie when he was making those. He was like, just like, <laughs> he just like, how do you make a fight scene? I don't know. He just forgot. But at the very least, it was just one weird dude and his weird ideas, you know, right. just like yeah, yeah, going, yes. going nuts, going like, I want a, you know, Jamaican parody character and I want uh, like all this horrible shit. <laughs> but at the very least, it was unique. You know what I mean? It was yeah. lumpy. It was, per it was an auteur going nuts. And that's what we right. want. We don't want all this you know, like uh, over-focused, tested shit, you know? Right. You want to be able to, yeah, watch a film and almost be like from the feel of it, be like, oh, it's this director.
Yeah. Yes, writer, absolutely. You know, and we and now so many times you look, I'm like, I don't there's so many there's a, such a lack of like discerning traits in yeah. a lot of like mainstream cinema that you're like, I don't know. Like That's why the room movie. is it's like so another good. two hour long thing. Oh, like the yeah. room is like one of the worst movies ever made. And it's so wonderful to watch yeah. because, you know, it's coming direct from this guy's warped mind. Yeah. And, and it's like, at least it's that. It's not this like mass produced, you know, thing. There's no, there's no, uh, he's not trying to make a general audience do anything but like see his weird thoughts. And they're yeah, bad. Right. And it's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. And I think I that's why, that like, yeah, so Demolition Man, I'll always point to that. Marco Brambia, the director of that, is an artist. He's a visual artist. Mm -hmm. And that was the one film he made. But because the studios were trying to, like, get butt in on everything, he's like, I'm an artist. What the fuck are you doing? This is the movie I'm trying to make. And then they're like, all right, well, Demolition Man was pretty cool. You want to do another one? He's like, no, I never want to make a film with people again because I'm an artist. And now he does, like, amazing visual, like, video installations that are oh, cool. fucking breathtaking. Like, if you're ever, I always talk about it. If you're ever at the Standard in New York, if you look in the in the elevators, you'll see, like, this animated thing of, like, stitched together film clips as you go up or down the elevator. They're either ascending to heaven or descending into hell. That's a work of Marco Brambia's. But it's usually done on a much larger scale. Like, he's doing, like, you know, 30-foot wow. by 16-foot high, like, video projections that are in 3D that are absolutely ridiculous. So if you ever have the chance to encounter any of his work, absolutely check it out and be like, yeah, that fucking guy made Demolition Man and called it quits. <laughs> so uh, moving on, underrated. Adam, what's something you think is oh my something God. that you think is underrated? I probably should not go on at such great length about these things because it's, you know, you have a lot of show to get to and I'm ranting and no, raving. this is the show. We're talking, we're chatting. Okay. People want to hear from you. Thank God. What is underrated um, that I really enjoy? It's just because I'm in the middle of watching it right now. Mm -hmm. Better Call Saul is better than Breaking Bad. Better Call Saul is a better mm. show than Breaking yep. Bad than it ever yep. was. Um, it's subverting Breaking Bad in a really interesting way. It, the characters are much more interesting. It surprises you at every turn. They're really deep into it now. Like a tenth as many people are watching it as watch Breaking Bad. But like the whole Walter White thing, let's be honest, kind of sucked. Not that interesting. It was all the other stuff that they were doing on the show that made it special. And they're doing it all on Breaking Bad. It makes, like, Better Call Saul makes, like, the worst asshole of America, suburban, like, Arizona, or no, New Mexico, excuse me, mm -hmm. suburban New Mexico, look so interesting. And uh, I love it. Incredible production yeah. design. Incredible performances. I would kill for Kim Wexler. The end. Yes. I'm only up to episode four, so if something bad happens to Kim Wexler, don't tell me. Okay. And and don't write it in a review of the Netflix show either to try and yeah, don't, spoil it for Adam. Which I will find out. Do not put it in <laughs> ad star fuck. M, C star Nover, <laughs> Adam Kim Wexler dies. Don't fucking tell me that. Don't say that. Yeah. I think it was like, I remember when it first came out, I was all in because I, I liked Breaking Bad. Right. And then I was like, damn, this has got like, we're getting some real depth now behind yeah. everybody like yeah. before you're like man look at odin kirk he's he's a hilarious scumbag it's yeah, all good yeah. and breaking bad and then you're like fuck okay like really yeah, giving a us much the darker character yeah. yeah yeah the best episodes are just him doing lawyer stuff like yes. there's a bunch yeah. of episodes where it's just like somebody's got a problem and it's like i would love to see the version of better call saul that's just a lawyer procedural show where it's mm -hmm. just like a scummy defense attorney like gets people off and it's just law and order style no arc you know, um, right. because that's really entertaining to me is just seeing him like 
you know, try to try to help people in a somewhat selfish way. Yeah. I enjoy it. Yeah. Good one. I like that one. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't started the, the latest season yet, but because I I get like really impatient and I've always waited for the season to end so that I can just fly right through it because that's that's I do the same thing. I because I know I'm going to binge and there's nothing worse than hitting your, that wall. Yeah, you hit that wall and you're just like, what do I do with my day? Yeah. And then you can't find the thing to do with your day. And like my now luck that is severance always... is over, I'm like freaking out. I I, <laughs> I need more severance in my life. Whenever I binge a live show, my luck is always the last episode I watch is like the day after it aired. And I fully have like one week to wait until then. I'm like, fuck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why this fucking timing is like this? All right. Well, yeah. let's take a quick break. We'll be right back to talk about these news things. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media. But now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids. But I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, 
features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. And we're back. The continued disconnect between the people who make the laws and the humans who have to do the work continues because we constantly hear about how, the you know, the pandemic actually isn't that bad anymore right now. It's, it's over, dude. Didn't you hear? chill. You can take your mask off in planes. You can yell at people wearing masks. It's great. Yeah, exactly. Do what you got to do. And, you know, again, the message is sort of like there's nothing to fear. Nothing's going on. Sure. Mm -hmm. We don't know much about long COVID or haven't really funded uh, the pandemic response to this point. But it's (laughs) all to the G. Y'all just trust we. And the main thing that they point to is that, oh, you know, hospitalizations aren't going up. That's a good thing. Case numbers may be going up. But the thing we're really looking at are hospitalizations because the last thing we want to do is overload the hospitals and cripple the healthcare system. And we don't want to overwhelm the people that are working there. Well, <laughs> even though that figure may hold in some places, there are also we're starting to see hotspots in the U.S. where hospitalizations are increasing. Mm. So as much as it's nice to remind ourselves of how low things may have been at a certain point previously, I think the biggest thing that is being missed and Ed Young at The Atlantic, who's, you know, one like a Pulitzer for his coverage on uh, yeah, he's the COVID pandemic really points to the fact is like, yeah, sure. You're talking about that. He's like, for people who are really looking at this situation, you're completely missing the point, which is the healthcare workers and where Mm -hmm. morale is and what that looks like, the state of the healthcare system. And the morale is absolutely, it's catastrophically low right now. I'm just going to read from uh, Ed Young's piece here. Quote, even in quieter periods, healthcare, healthcare workers are scrambling to catch up with backlogs of work that went unaddressed during COVID surges or patients who sat on health problems and are now much sicker. Those patients are more antagonistic, verbal and physical assaults are commonplace now. Healthcare workers can also still catch COVID, keeping them from their jobs while surges elsewhere in the world create supply chain issues that keep hospitals from running smoothly. All of this on top of two years of devastating COVID surges means that healthcare workers are so exhausted and burned out that those words have become euphemisms. Ugh. That's the state of the people who like, are, you know, remember in the beginning of the pandemic, there were countless selfie videos of stressed out healthcare workers on the front line saying, mm-hmm. y'all, please, this is not a fucking game. Yeah. And, please and Miles, take care Mi- of yourself. Miles, I went outside. 
every mm-hmm. single day mm-hmm. with my pots and pans. Yup. And I bang those mm-hmm. motherfuckers. All right. Damn right. So I don't know why you're getting on my ass now because I did my part. I no, banged no. the pans. It's not the pan banging, sir. We we also said as healthcare officials, please use social distancing. Please wear masks and I'm also get the vaccine. I'm not doing all that shit. No, but I will slap my hands together at seven every night. <laughs> for the healthcare workers or the Lakers, depending on which is on first. Depending what time of the year is and if mm-hmm. it's the postseason. Nope, never mind. So I guess I'm nope. just clapping for the healthcare workers. <laughs> and it it's just a very like, you know, many of us are doing the thing. We look at line graphs and we're like, yay, line go down. Yeah, or line like down. line flat. Mm-hmm. And you know, sure, for right now, but many healthcare workers, they're still dealing with this two year nightmare they've experienced yeah. of Constant traumatic experiences of counting or of zipping up countless body bags Mm. while screaming at the public and pleading with people. They're saying, you're not y'all are living your outside world life, Mm -hmm. but the in hospital world is a completely different one. And we're trying to get you to connect to the humanity of it all. But I mean, I, I, I like he goes on in the article to talk about how disconnected a lot of healthcare workers feel from just the regular world. Like, like very similar to combat veterans where yeah, they yeah. only feel that other people in healthcare actually understand the ordeal and yeah. how difficult it's been when they're saying like, man, it's so easy. Like, and we're actually the ones that are going through the, like a really hard time having yeah. to repeat this over and over again. Yeah. No, it's really serious. But I have a, like, I do have a little bit of a beef with how, especially on social media, people have the conversation about the pandemic is over. No, it's not. Right. Because mm-hmm. people who are going, oh, the pandemic's over, everything's fine, right? That's not true. There are still really serious problems, like, uh, right, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. there are also people who are go- who go, no, you're wrong. The pandemic's not over. How dare you go outside? How dare you spend right. time with your friends? Or how dare you go back to work, right? And they turn right. it back on individuals and they say, as individuals, you guys should be behaving differently. You should be social distancing like me. I still don't go to the park without wearing a mask, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that is the wrong thing to say. Because the reality is, if you look at what public health experts, every public health expert said at the beginning of the pandemic, social distancing and, you know, staying away from other people, that was a way for us to buy time for the vaccines and for all the other treatments that we were developing. Right. Mm -hmm. And no one thought that we could continue to, you know, social distance indefinitely. It's impossible to do. It's impossible Mm -hmm. to. It's not just like the fact that, oh, it would shut the economy down. It's literally people just simply will not do it. If you look at the public, if you look at public health, you have to look at what people will agree to do. And like the public will not do it on a mass level. And so, you know, saying to people like just individually wagging your finger at people and saying you shouldn't be going to the mall anymore. You know, like you're 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 having too much fun drinking with your friends. right? Right. Is really, really unproductive. We should be yelling at the people who have you know, designed our healthcare system, the people in power who are mm-hmm. letting these workers down, the fact that we have eviscerated, you know, our local public health departments, which is something we talk about on my new show, The G Word, out now on Netflix. Hey, <laughs> it's nice. Like, it's like, most, thank you, I'm good with the segue. We haven't mentioned the show in like 20 minutes, so I have to bring it up. Oh, yeah, uh, no, no. We, uh, you know, we do a whole episode on what 
the U.S. fucked up about the pandemic. And the big silent thing that we fucked up that most people don't know is that we spent the last 30 years cutting the budgets of our local public health departments that could be providing support to all those healthcare workers. You know, we've been we've broken the backs of the healthcare unions, of the nurses unions that would, you know, uh, protect those workers and advocate for better conditions for them. All those sorts of things The you know, Congress won't pass a covid relief bill. Those are the issues. But we as we have become so focused on individual behavior that even the folks who are reading Ed Young's articles, right, we are often taking the wrong lesson and yelling at everybody else about their individual behavior rather than yelling at those in power about saying, you need to fix the systemic issues that are causing right. this. That's, that, I'll get off my podium, but that's something that bothers No, me. and that's absolutely correct, right? Because the way we talk about workers in this like abstract is the story is like, man, shout out to the frontline workers, shout out to the, the, the heroes and things like that. But meanwhile, like the attitude is almost like they want these people to have like near like mythical levels of grit Right. Where they're like, mm-hmm. shout out to you. We're going to fucking grind you down to dust. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Thank, shout out to their their strength without saying this whole this whole situation is fundamentally fucked up. Like right. you're while you while you insist on like thanking the healthcare workers to like hold the line, you're actually doing nothing that acknowledges the humanity of those people and the fact yeah. that they aren't invincible. Right. Yeah. They have limits that people are leaving the profession that veteran healthcare workers are leaving in higher numbers, too, because of just pandemic burnout. And that's yeah. creating a generational knowledge gap that other people who work in healthcare are like it actually it's wild when you don't have these veterans here. They can't pass that information on. And when they're replaced, it's usually with inexperienced people and things aren't going to run so smoothly because we'd have these like just these the nuances of the continuity of people having their careers is completely gone out the window in service of like, well, whatever, man, these reckless policies that we do to please the Chamber of Commerce is right. just going to fall onto the healthcare workers, but they're okay. Shout out yeah. to their grit. That's yeah, a great shout, shout out to the uh, to all the firefighters out there as I'm lighting matches and throwing them in a dry yeah. brush. They're like, oh, so brave. It's like, well, hold on. He's like, look, I got a brand to deal with Zippo. I got to throw yeah, 500 Yeah, I got to do this. Zippo. The content needs Zippo. to come out. So, the thing that is interesting, though, I was actually going to, you know, very naturally pivot to your show, uh, Adam, like in the G word, watching the first two episodes, the thing that I, and I told you after watching it, I was like, man, I really like that you're humanizing what what the you know, what the government is, because we think about the government in this abstract and we just go, yeah, it's Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell. <laughs> but that's those are two fucking people. You know, it's, yeah. the, it's the you know, when so many people are employed by the federal government. And in, you know, the the series is based on the Michael Lewis book, The Fifth Risk, Undoing of Democracy. And in it, uh, what I what I think is really important is that people begin to understand that it's there are actual human beings doing all of this work day to day for a lot of the shit that we take for granted. And we get so caught up in this binary of like of Republican or Democrat sometimes that we also forget that, like, they're just people who are going out every day doing the simplest things like checking that the meat that we eat isn't completely fucked up or knowing, you know, how to alert people to inclement weather. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm sure for you being inspired to do the show, you saw that there is a need for, I I guess, getting people sort of in touch with sort of how this relationship works. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the whole theme of the show, the whole purpose of the show is that we spend, 
you know, years, uh, like two years every four years arguing about who's going to run the government. Almost none of us know anything about what the government actually does or the people that make it up. And so, like you say, healthcare workers, like the people who are inspecting our meat, we go to a Cargill meat processing plant and meet the folks who are there every single day checking your meat from the USDA. They're mandated to be there in the plant. They're standing there on the line and they're checking every single piece of meat that you eat to make sure that it's safe. And like, what are their lives actually like, you know? And what is it like to do that work? You know, USDA workers like got COVID at a massive rate because the, you know, the the meat inspection workers uh, were considered essential workers because we have to make sure the food supply keeps going. But they were in a very cold environment where, you know, they're indoors. It's a perfect environment for uh, uh, for COVID to spread. And they all got COVID. And we're talking, you know, April and May of 2020, like way pre-vaccine. There were like serious outbreaks. A lot of people died. Yeah. But that is like a fundamental government service that was put into place, you know, at the beginning of the last century or like 100 years ago, because people were dying left and right of poisoned meat all across America. And, you know, the, the shout government out Sinclair. Uh, Upton Sinclair, <laughs> shout out to Upton Sinclair, my boy Upton. Incredible <laughs> yeah. dude. Shout out to uh, you know, Teddy Roosevelt passed the Federal Meat Inspection Act. It mandated the USDA had to have representatives in every single meat processing facility and they check all the meat. They have a big button they can hit that stops the line whenever uh, they see something that's wrong. And that's like a fundamental service that government provides that like most people don't know that it's doing. And people certainly don't know that like your fellow Americans are doing that work and they are in there so that you will be safe. Yeah, like I had no idea of the people who like volunteer to help like keep our weather reports accurate. And, yeah. You know how we- we're privatizing weather reporting. It's like yep. this fucked up way too. I mean, yep. the show is really dope because you really dive into these things. And in the open, like for people who don't know, this is a co-production with Higher Ground, which is uh, the Obama's production company. Mm-hmm. And at first, like, I'm not going to lie, Adam. I'm like, okay, so what does that mean for what you talk about? You know, because you have the idea of a ex-president who is making content and you're like, how critical is this going to be? How sober of an analysis will this actually be about the government? Mm -hmm. And there's I I mean, people just people should watch the the opening that just watch the show because you kind of address that up top that there's really nothing off the table. And I was even like, what about drone strikes? Mm-hmm. Talking drone strikes in this Obama produced uh, production. And-, and we do it. We do a segment on drone strikes in episode four. And yeah, I mean, look, I knew. So here's how the show came about. Uh, Obama's company had optioned this Michael Lewis book, The Fifth Risk. I had read the book the previous year and I was like, this book's incredible. Like, I, I want to do stories about this. You know, I, I wish I could do this book as a TV show. And then like six months later, I get a phone call from my manager. Hey, President Obama optioned this book and they're looking for a comedian to adapt it. Do you want to go pitch what you would do? And I was like, hell yeah, I do. I went and I pitched the angle. I want to do a you know a comedy investigation of all the things the government does, both good and bad, introduce them to the people who make it work, talk about systemic problems. And they said, great, let's do it. Netflix said, let's do it. And I, you know, but I had to say to them, hey, this is going to be a conflict. If people are going to know what's going on, the audience is smart and they're going to be worried that like, hey, is this could this possibly be impartial when a former president's name is, you know, executive produced by Barack Obama? And so I need editorial independence on the show. This needs to be my show, not Barack Obama's show. I'm not going to be saying what he wants me to say. I'm going to be saying where my investigation takes me. And they said, yes, that's you. You have that right. You can do that. Like, fantastic. But now I need to communicate that to the audience. Um, and right. so we wrote a whole scene at the beginning where I made that very clear. 
And specifically, I then looked for topics I would do that I knew people would think we would not be able to do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's my approach to doing television. When I was on True TV, I did episodes that were about gigantic advertisers that people would say, hey, if advertisers are paying your salary, no way that you can you touch this on the show. And we went for those super hard. We also did entire episodes where we took apart the the network's relationship with advertisers right. and how that affects the show and, you know, went really deep on it. And that, to me, is the best I can do. Well, I, I take the approach, you know, the cliche of, you know, your first night in prison, go punch the biggest guy in the nose. That's what I do is I say, what is the f- biggest fight that I can pick that will enable me to do shit that people think I won't be able to do, and then I'm going to go to the mattresses for it. So you and chose he- Obama, which is, that's pretty dope. I like yeah. that. You're <laughs> like, who am I going to punch the nose? <laughs> Obama's <laughs> yeah. drones program. <laughs> Got yeah. Peach Lamana of uh, TV <laughs> yeah, making out here. Exactly. Like, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we did, a, we did a segment on drone strikes and how, you know, they went up 10 times in the Obama administration. That was when it re- that program really went nuts. And it it is an incontrovertible fact that it led to the deaths of many, many, many more civilians that would have been killed otherwise. And the mm-hmm. reason is that drone strikes present a moral hazard that it allows, you know, the, those in power going all the way up to the president to order strikes that they would not order otherwise because there's no risk to an American pilot because they're unmanned. Right. You wouldn't send a bomber. You wouldn't send a fighter jet because you don't want, you know, Bobby from Ohio to crash land in, uh, you know, Syria. But you would send an unmanned drone because you don't care yeah. as much. And so as a result, we end up using those weapons a lot more often. A lot more people die and specifically a lot of civilians die. And, you know, I, I do did not work with Obama directly on the show apart from his appearances. But the people who work for him, who I work with, were like, oh, are you sure you want to do that? And I was like, uh-huh, I do yeah. want to do that. And they were like, well, it's going to be pretty tough. And I was like, bring it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, if you guys got a problem, you got to tell me. And, you know, but the thing is, everything that we talk about on the show is a completely mainstream analysis. We are using, you know, independently reported facts and figures, you know, from like fucking people who research military technology and research civilian deaths. And so they didn't honestly have anything that they could argue with. And, uh, you know, it was made apparent to me that Barack Obama disagreed (laughs) with our segment, but (laughs) they they knew they couldn't come to me and say, well, you can't do it because then it would undermine the entire premise of the show. They were they were smart enough to know that, hey, we granted this guy editorial independence, so he has it. And as a result, we did the segment as scripted. And it's to their credit that they gave us space to do that because they knew that, you know, this show, in order to be credible, needs that space to survive. Right. Exactly. So for that reason, I hope that people, when they watch it, see that. And by the way, we're very transparent about all of this on the show. I hope that gives people confidence in it. Yeah, that's and that's the best we can do, making content under capitalism. The best you can do is fight as hard as you can and be transparent about your process with your audience and try to do it with integrity. And at the end, the audience gets to tell you whether or not you did a good you did a good job. But at the end of the day, that's how I sleep at night is by knowing I fought as hard as I could. Right. Nice. Well, I mean, it it, it comes out in the show. So, yeah, thank I you, man. Anybody who's interested and if you've liked any of Adam's past work, there's there's no way you wouldn't enjoy this one. Oh, uh, government. Either. Yeah, that's the G word. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was God. I was waiting for <laughs> you to get there. I was like, when is this going to be about God, man? What the heck? Dude, Obama. I was like, Obama. Yeah, I get it. Blah, blah, blah. And God. And God. <laughs> government is the other. It's a little bit. Look, the title is the G word. We don't want to talk about it. No one likes to talk about the government. We're going to talk about it. That's the title. Yeah, exactly. 
See, Matt's a little Matt's a little slow on the. It takes me a little okay. time. I like when yeah. there's more. Do, how many Spider Man are in the show? <laughs> <laughs> That's episode Andrew Garfield's 14, there, and he but he's playing me from all dimension, and he's like, "Oh, are you? I'm me. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I I'm just being that. a cutesy. Oh. Uh, ha, ha, ha. Ooh, uh, ooh, am I Spider Man? Are you Spider Man? Do you guys look at the camera and wink at me? I hope you wink at me. I By the way, that, how funny was it? Just like Andrew Garfield is just, fu- you know what he's doing is he's doing a Ben Schwartz impression. That's yes. what he's doing. He oh, is do- wow. He's doing yes. Ben Schwartz. I just realized that is Handsome what it is. Ben Schwartz. Yeah. It is super Ben Schwartz. Toby Maguire's trying to keep up. And yeah. he's just like, I don't know if he was on, if he took a Xanax or something. He's just sort of blissed out and like, hey guys. Yeah. How's yeah. it going? Whoa. He's like, look, man, I've been gambling all night, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fucking leave me alone. He's like, me and Leo have just been having sex with models for the last 10 years. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I'll do your Spider-Man yeah. in-joke. <laughs> I've been I've been inhaling vape smoke for seven years straight like it was a fucking scuba tank. Fuck with me. All right. Speaking of presidents, uh, gotta gotta touch in really quick with George Bush the two. Wow. Uh, my man, who that brought hundreds of thousands of lives. Uh, you know, basically killed because the this invasion killed hundreds of thousands of people. Man, he's a goat, huh? Untold yeah. death and destruction to an entire region. I mean, he knows a bad invasion when he sees one. Uh-huh. And yeah. when he was speaking recently at his own foundation, he really just he he just wanted to let people know he's he wasn't born yesterday. He sees what's going on. So let's just hear the president weigh in on what's happening around the world. In contrast, Russian elections are rigged. Political opponents are imprisoned or otherwise eliminated from participating in the electoral process. Doesn't happen in the U.S. No. The result is an absence of checks and balances in Russia and the decision of one man to launch a wholly unjustified and brutal invasion of Iraq. I mean, of Ukraine. What? Iraq, too. Anyway. uh, (laughs) 75. Uh... <laughs> oh boy! Hundreds of thousands of fucking people died. But that's it's rough. That's the that's the biggest punchline of all. All the dead Iraqis. Like Oof. what? That's a wild. I don't know. I mean, Ukraine. I don't know. Like, what was that weird line he grumbled after? I think he, he said. Realized? I think he said uh, I mean, Iraq, Iraq, Iraq too. Which seventy five. Uh, uh, that where, leads me. Right. Anyway. Wait. Iraq too. Anyway, uh, oh, he Ar- said Iraq too. Iraq too. Yes. Wow. Oh. Which that leads me to believe that he's actually very self-aware that everyone, the person he was describing as like you know the decision of one man to unilaterally you know invade a country, uh, you know, like he knows that's him. That's him. He yeah. knows. He's very yeah. aware, and it very well may haunt his dreams. Which yeah. makes me feel better about the about that was everything. what I got from this. My question to to the panel now is: He haunted? Because <laughs> I, I in my mind I thought he he was buying aquifers up and shit like it was nobody's business doing watercolors like he didn't absolutely fuck up the a whole part of the earth. I think that's why he does you know watercolors and, right. and paintings and shit. I think it's because well, he is. I think he is haunted by it, because if there's one thing about George W. Bush that I, you know, in all fairness, remember 
rather than just like, yes, he's a war criminal. Yes, he is legitimately the worst president of our lifetime. But he also was someone who didn't seem like necessarily a sociopath, but someone who seemed like he just desperately wanted to please the people around him. Yeah. And I completely agree with that. The guys he called uncle. Yes. Yeah. People he grew up with who just he just wanted to impress them. You know, people literally ran all the gears of government, you know? Yeah. And I think when he was in office, he was just like people around me are saying we got to go after Iraq. Let's do it. Fuck yeah. Colin Powell's here. Here's Dick. You know, they're all saying, "Okay, guys. I mean, if you were in that situation, maybe you would have said the same thing. If you had been born into where he, you know, if you put yourself through all that. Not to not to defray his responsibility at all, but like, yeah, he's like, you know, sometimes when I watch him, I'm like, he's just kind of a sweet dumbass. You know, that's that's like why people when they're like, oh, he's painting now because you sort of see a little glimmer of a personality. Yeah. He doesn't have power. Yeah. Yeah. However, it doesn't change the fact that he's like a he's a a war war criminal. criminal. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is a war criminal and he is, you know, like. For all the bad that Trump has done, it's like the Trump never did a unilateral invasion of uh, uh, of a country while yeah. he was president. Not that no. he wouldn't have loved to do it if if there had been political will to do it. Yeah, um, he just happened to be you know uh, the president at a time when people were so sick of going yeah. to war for no reason. I mean, the invasion of Russia's invasion of Ukraine is. There is practically no difference to find between right. the United States invasion of Iraq, apart from the fact that the United States was not trying to literally like annex the country and yeah. make it a state. But right. apart from that, like, you know, we, I guess we just didn't finish the job. Like we didn't make it a full colony. Right. It was yeah. like, all right, now we're right. going to leave and you guys do whatever the fuck you want. All right. Everybody you know? get their uh, infrastructure contracts and pump their gas. All right. Yeah. We're out of here. Yeah, Good. exactly. On to the but next like, one. Yes, it was a. It's a unilateral invasion of a country, almost no international partners, right? Mm-hmm. A couple, Tony Blair, bring them along. But apart from that, you know, and it didn't cause as much of an outcry as Russia because we're more powerful or we were more powerful at the time than Russia is now. Yeah. And that's it. That's the only that, White difference. supremacy was working in favor of that, too, because right. it's only yes. because the victims are look Correct. European that suddenly they were like, <gasps> right. <gasps> Yes. These are war yeah. crimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This you can't know. happen to white people. <laughs> yeah. Like, hold, what are you? Uh, what? Can... No proper person could. Yeah. You could run this the is, tape uh, back like sixteen seconds and find some cool stuff too that you could get outraged about. But that's, yeah, we'll yeah. But uh, but George W. Bush, I find his post presidency interesting because I agree with you. He seems like he seems not traumatized, but just sort of like I can't. I can't do it. Like he yeah. doesn't like he seems like a like a broken man. Yes. He has this childlike demeanor where versus. OK, let me tell you about Obama a little bit, because we, I shot with Obama. Right. Yeah. And to shoot with him, it's like you've got we had one hour in his schedule and he, he and it was in his office in D.C. And it's like, you know, the middle floor of this anonymous office building. And, you know, it's like we had our crew of like eight people, 10 people um, who were who we were shooting with. And it's like. Okay, you guys are gonna. His, his people are like, okay. You're gonna wait here in the lobby, and then at exactly like ten oh one, you're gonna take the elevator upstairs. When you go upstairs, you're gonna go down the hall. You're gonna go in the room on the left, and you're gonna stay in there. Make no noise, because he's on the floor. Okay. Then he is going to. He is in the presidential office. 
he, he is going to walk down the hallway and Adam, you will be standing in the hallway here. You will shake hands with him when he comes and then you will enter the set where you will shoot. Um, and it was like, it was like his, his movements are being scripted around. Like they, they were like, we don't want the crew. He's doing something else in the other room and we don't want him to like the crew to like walk by him. You know what I mean? It's very much like it, to the point where <laughs> like one of our PAs, this hilarious dude, Evans, wonderful dude. One of our PAs, accidentally was in the hallway when President Obama walked in and it was so impressed upon him that that should not happen that Evans goes, oh shit, and runs away. <laughs> like makes eye contact with him and is like, oh shit, and runs. But like, so he's living his life as yeah. though he's still the president, you know? Like he's got, in addition to having Secret Service detail, it's just his movements are so scripted, mm -hmm. right? That George W. Dead. Bush is not dead. living this way, no. you know? No, <laughs> George no, George W. No. Bush is just like, chilling out on a porch somewhere mm -hmm. and like people yeah. go wandering in and out. I'm sure. They're, you know? yeah. Like, in fact, would, do you mind talking to him when he comes into the hallway? Just yeah. 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 <laughs> Just trying to get people off the street. Like, yeah. Hey, yeah. do you guys know I had an Institute? I have one. I'm going to make a library too. It's going to be great. Okay. That that's fine. Uh, so yeah, he's sure. like, you know, Obama literally left office and he's like, how can I continue using the power of what I'm, I am doing to do the things I want to do in the world? Right. You know, he's like, really, he's got his communication strategy. He's got his policy strategy. He's thinking about it in such a focused way. George W. Bush left office and he was like, I'm done. I, I, I'm not doing it. Yeah, I'll like, do the library, like, yeah. but like, I'm, yeah. I'm gone. I'm taking yeah. a bath, right. you know? Yeah. It's like, oh, wait, you're not going to direct any more movies. Like, I only did it because my dad's Michael Ovitz. <laughs> and I don't want to do it anymore. Like, it's like that same, like, where, where nepotism's like, yeah, got me in the door. I don't even really know if I wanted to do this. That's why you don't really see me engaging with it after the fact. Plus, I'm haunted by all the dark shit I had to do. And yeah. maybe that's my karma. I don't know. Hey, Ellen, check out my watch. Is this cool? Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> what a life. And yeah, does Jenna Bush still call dad? I don't know. A, a friend of mine in college pointed out to me, once. this is during the George W. Bush administration, but they were like, at one point, George W. Bush was like part owner of the Texas Rangers, if you remember right. that. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. my friend was like, you know, George W. Bush is an alternate universe where he just becomes the commissioner of baseball. And he would yeah. be such a good commissioner of baseball. He would get to make jokes. You know what I mean? Go to baseball right. games. Mm -hmm. Don't we all want to live in that universe? Like, oh, that'd be something he'd right. be good at. <laughs> yeah. We wouldn't be responsible yeah, for the Trump, deaths of hundreds yeah. of thousands of people. Right. And Donald Trump is just a Bitcoin bro. Yeah. Never, like I love that universe. That would have been the fucking perfect one. Everyone right, should ape in, ape in, drink the slurp juice. Get your slurp juice. And yeah, some people pointed out maybe it's neo-Nazi semi semiotics. Who knows? I mean, yeah, it is. Let's be real. Let's be real. I'm not dumb. You know what time it is. I'm trying to mainstream white supremacy. All right, I'll be right back. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back to talk about the strength of video games. Mmm. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real, live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All my friends love it. I love that it's kids-safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! (laughs) Download the Zigazoo app today. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. And we're back. Video games have been very important for me throughout my life. Uh, Adam, I know they're a huge part for you. Matt, are you? Yeah. A big, were you a big child of the game? I I played video games um, <clears throat> when I, I I played PC games when I was in high school and college, uh, and now I play uh, PS PS4. There you go. There so you I love I love video games. I yeah. love them. They're great. Adam. I play everything, man. I play all the time. I'm, I'm still working through Elden Ring, which is enormously long. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, I follow video games more closely than I follow anything else. I listen to probably spend more time listening to podcasts about video games than I do playing them. But, mm. you know, I've started collecting retro video games. I got a fucking uh, CRT monitor in here. So and I oh, play old wow. games. race theory monitor. <laughs> 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 okay, I didn't know they made the Critical Race Siri monitors. Yeah, it's no, you, you turn it on and it's like it. and it's like whiteness is false. Whiteness does not exist. Um, it doesn't display white at all. It just, yeah. shades of gray. 
Um, so, uh, so I yeah. don't know if I, I definitely heard this growing up in the, you know, being a growing, being born in the eighties and in the early nineties of always from my mom and like grandparents being like, don't look at the TV. It's going to rot your brain. You're playing video games all the time. It's going to rot your brain. Why are you playing super Nintendo? Why are you playing Mario paint? I'm like, cause this shit is dope. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> and it came with a mouse that I plug into my super Nintendo. Fuck with me. Mario um, paint's incredible. But, Oh yeah, I mean Mario real, taught I mean, me like, typing. Thank you. Guys, you. Do you guys ever I, I, at school I, do Mario teaches typing? I, I had that I'm on a, my on my Mac when I in like 1993. Yeah, yeah, man. Okay, not so an I'm official Nintendo speaker. release, so I kind of object to it. But yeah, okay, gotcha. <laughs> uh, it's not canon. Yeah, bunk licensing deal. Um, yeah. but yeah, I think we've for a while. I think that was like sort of like the accepted thing that parents would be get really sort of nervous about. Like, right. Too much video games is gonna is is actually bad for you. Yeah. Well, guess what? The uh, Karolinska Institute in Sweden uh, has conducted a pretty lengthy study on thousands of kids in the U.S. to see how playing video games affected their intelligence. In this case, they're just their general cognitive abilities, not like mm. did their vocabulary expand or whatever, just testing their general cognitive abilities. So they looked at 9,000 kids around uh, aged uh, 9 and 10 and had them do a battery of tests just to sort of set a baseline. Then they followed up with about 5,000 of these kids about two years later to run the tests again and to see if there were any differences that they could find. And here's something they found. Quote, on average, the children spent two and a half hours a day watching TV, half an hour on social media, and one hour playing video games. The results showed that those who played more games than the average increased their intelligence between the two measurements by approximately 2.5 IQ points more than the average. No significant effect was observed, positive or negative, of TV watching or social media. Mm. So they said, okay, that maybe that tracks maybe because TV, social media seems pretty passive. Now, not to say who knows the toll that takes on someone's emotional well-being, because mm-hmm. they do say, look, we were we were not checking for the effects of things like on things like physical activity, sleep, well-being, or school performance. Right. Just very narrowly on their cognitive ability. But the results seem to be in line or are in line with other studies that claim that screen time doesn't impair children's cognitive abilities. And in fact, gaming can help it boost yeah. those things. I have a theory about this study. Mm-hmm. Yes. Here, but first of all, it, it comports with my own experience, because one thing that I read years and years ago is that the main thing video games help you do is that they teach you how to navigate human designed software systems. Right. So when you mm. you when you play a video game, right, if you're used to playing a video game, you don't generally need to read an instruction manual, right? You can turn the game on if you've played them a lot and you're like, okay, what are the verbs that the game designer gave me? How can I use them? And then, you know, you're in a level and you're like, the game seems like it wants me to go this way, right? Right. Like you start to you start to understand this is a whole playground that someone has created for my benefit. Here's the goal. And so I can poke around and figure out how I'm supposed to achieve the goal, right? Oh, there's two paths. One of them probably leads to a treasure chest. The other one probably takes me towards the final boss. And that's the critical path. You you have to understand things like that, right? right? And so the theory that I read years ago was that that makes children less intimidated by technology generally, right? Um. And, and I experienced that myself. Like when I, the reason I'm working in comedy today is because when I was in college, I taught myself Photoshop and I taught myself video editing on Final Cut Pro. And I was in a college sketch group and I became the post-production guy, you know, who did all the video editing. And I just taught myself video editing by like, all right, let me pop open the Final Cut 
and like start rooting around those menus. What does this menu right. do? What does that what does that control panel do? Like I'm I'm not scared of it. I don't need someone to teach me how to do it. I can just sort of figure it out. I read the manual too, but you mm-hmm. know, so it it gives you that sort of fluency and that's something that like comes in really handy in America nowadays and especially I bet that helps you do better on an IQ test. Now, IQ mm-hmm. tests are bullshit. Uh, I did a right. whole segment about them on Adam Ruins Everything. They don't measure, you know, any sort of like, you shouldn't take them as an objective measure of intelligence. They're they're measuring how well you do on that particular test, but they're not measuring like anything inherent about you. However, I have taken one recently and it's a whole lot of like, how quickly can you fit the, you know, can you like, what are they called? Tangrams or tessellations or something where you fit like the little polygon pieces like into a right. square, yeah. stuff like that. How well can you remember numbers backwards? Things mm-hmm. like that. And like, if you've played a lot of video games, it's very video gamey stuff. You're like, oh, okay, this is what it's trying to get me to do. This is the challenging part. I can, if I focus on this, I should be able to, you know, do better right. on it. Oh, I'm so on I really enjoyed level. doing the IQ test for the same reason I like playing video games. And so I feel like this is, I feel like it's not making you more intelligent, but I bet it does make you, if you play a lot of video games, I bet you do better on an IQ test. I think Mm. it's more like in line with playing an instrument, right? Mm -hmm. That you grow up playing an instrument, you're, you're gonna, you're just developing different skills than if you weren't like music, there's timing, your hand eye coordination to read music, to know music theory and like the relationships between notes and things like that help a lot. And I even just even subtly, right. I just noticed for me, like I, you know, I'm, I'm. I'm also Japanese, so growing up in the in the U.S., the my or my Japanese education mostly came from my mom speaking to me, and mostly only speaking to me in Japanese to build my ability to speak two languages. Reading was a little bit different because when I turn the TV on, it's always English, and like I would I would have to seek out Japanese material to begin reading. When Game Boy came around, there were like, and I was playing Japanese Game Boy games. So many, you know, because back in those those days, like there was no spoken audio dialogue that played out of the TV. It was all text. Mm-hmm. You had to read and hit A to continue the fucking yeah, dialogue. Right. And that very quickly got me to begin reading Japanese at a much quicker pace than I did if I was yeah. like, using a book or whatever, because I was so inherently rather than being like, I don't know how I don't know what this says or whatever. I was like, fuck it. Through the repetition of trying to read this over yeah. and over, it gave me those skills. So. There's these little things that you do pick up. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily the the secret to, the, you know, having, uh, you know, having super brain. But it, it like I like we're all saying, like we, I, we can all connect these little dots to little things yeah. that we picked up or skills we picked up. I'm so jealous of you for having that childhood experience with Japanese, because I mean, obviously I grew up like so many American kids did with Japanese imported culture being, right. you know, just like video games were like the entry point. And then also, you know, anime and everything yeah. else. But like, God, to have had the ability to play Japanese video games growing up, like, oh, it also incredible. made me an insufferable prick because I was like, <laughs> y'all are late to Pokemon. Y'all are late to Power Rangers. Y'all are late to this. And I'm like, I'm on to the next shit. Y'all are late um, to hentai. Y'all are late. Yeah. To- <laughs> <laughs> y'all are late to yeah. So many. So I've many been watching things. women have sex with octopuses. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, also, y'all are late for old enough too. That shit is old as fuck. Yeah. I've seen them kids do them chores decades ago. Kids are fucking yeah. forty now. Fuck out of here. But yeah, it 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 is a it is like an interesting thing that video games also were, were like mo- like a motivating force for me because. Because my mom insisted or my parents are like, you got to focus on studying. I'm like, 
I'm doing fine in school. If I can do fine in school, let me play video games. And that's all yeah. I want. Like my, you know, my parents weren't, wouldn't never buy me video games. Like, and yeah. they were only, they only came around every report card. If I did, right. if I had straight A's, then they're like, fuck it. Fine. You could have one game. You could rent, you could go rent a game. And that sort of feedback loop was sort of my way of being like, oh, I'm getting this fucking game. The Die Hard trilogy just came out on PlayStation. Watch mm -hmm. me murk my fucking tests. And so, you know, there was a, a bit of a. <laughs> Wait, that's the game you wanted to play? Die Hard trilogy? I've never even trilogy. heard of that. It was so bad. Oh, man. It was like a three part <laughs> game that it was yeah. like a multi genre game where the first level is like a shooter. And then I think the first two levels are like for, like shooter games, like sort of like Area 51 style shooters. Oh, yeah. And then the Die Hard with a Vengeance like node within the trilogy game was like a crazy taxi kind of thing where what you were fuck? like driving around <laughs> oh New York. God. Exactly. And like like the worst Sam Jackson voice act like mm -hmm. actor is like, you know, saying all kinds of wild shit. But I remember at the time I loved Die Hard with a Vengeance. So I was like, sure, Yo, I need this game. Need this game. Yeah. Uh, and it was terrible. That's but, how I know who Chester A. Arthur was and what yeah. president he, he's 21st president of the United States. Exactly. Learn that from Die Hard movies. Let me let me offer a cautionary tale for any parents or future parents out there who are like video games are bad. TV is bad. It's uh, it's all going to rot my kid's brain. My parents took out our TVs when I was in fifth grade because my brother started getting bad grades and our, and our my grades also and my sister's grades were starting to suffer a little bit. We had no TV from like from fifth grade until uh, 11th grade, until 9-11. 9-11 was the day we got our TVs back wow. because 9-11 had happened and my parents wanted to watch it. So sad day for America, good day for the Lieb family. But <laughs> I... uh in that intervening time, I didn't get to play video games. I didn't get to watch. I had to go to other friends' houses to, like, fucking watch, you know, TV and shit. Uh, I came to everything late. And uh, I will say what instead happened is I just discovered uh, drugs and started uh, in, like, sixth grade. I started smoking weed. Uh, <laughs> you know, I started wow. doing harder stuff a little bit later the grade on. after the TV was gone? TV <laughs> like was gone. It. And I was like, well, cause so what, what do I, what, what's left to, to do? And I was like, I'll just hang out with, uh, you know, friends. And, um, a lot of times those friends had weed. So we started smoking it. And I'm just saying, <laughs> I think that more harm was done to me by not having TV and video games in my life oh. than when we actually, you know, you know, then yeah. So I'm just saying, sure. uh, hey, the TV made me, I think you know, not as dumb as the drugs made me. So yeah. keep that in mind, everybody. I mean, look, also, look, you knew who the 21st president was, not because of school, exactly. but because of that actor who played that trucker yes. in Die Hard with a Vengeance. That's right. I know you who Chester I mean? A. Arthur is because of TV. Keep the or TVs even, in. What about the little gallon jug challenge that Simon had him do in Central yes. Park with the filling up the water jugs? I was even, I was playing along with them. being Me like, too. How do they get that? And I, then, learned, boom. I, I, I learned all sorts of shit. Can we also say the most popular games for kids right now, right? Mm -hmm. Let's go through what they are. Minecraft. Right. Incredibly yeah. wholesome. Biggest yes. video game of all time, Minecraft. Incredibly yeah, right. wholesome. It's fucking Legos. It's like the yes. best thing ever. It is. Mm -hmm. it, and you play it with your friends. You build a world together. It's unbelievable. Minecraft. Fortnite. Another game about building. Full of secrets, right? That mm -hmm. Fortnite is, has so many secrets basically designed for you to talk about with your friends. And kids play it with each other. It's a social game, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. And then Among Us was uh -huh. another huge game with kids. 
intense, intensely social, right? right. All and about it's learning yeah. how to like figure out which one's the alien, which is something I think we all need to be able to do. Yeah, you need to find yeah. the liars in your exactly. life. Exactly, you and find it teaches you, you how to do that. All of the liars and snitches. <laughs> Right, exactly. So, so when I get a like, fundraising text from Nancy Pelosi, I'm like, this is sus. <laughs> <laughs> Shit is sus. And none of those games, road. by Yo, the way. You, how does $14 help you codify a row? <laughs> <laughs> Please help me understand that. And even if you played video games, you're like, I don't understand. If I pay the $14, do I get the codified row power up? Yeah. I don't. <laughs> no, you get huh. a banana suit. Oh. <laughs> yeah, good enough. <laughs> yeah. Here's some poster board. And also, don't forget, and here's a mail-in ballot. Don't forget us in November. Okay. All right. Well, Adam, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Of it's course. always a pleasure speaking with you. And I'm glad you were finally able to stop by because, you know, we, we see each other in real life constantly. Yeah. So this is a this is a great, a great moment to to bring it all together. It was wonderful to be here. The show, the new show is called The G Word. Can I just give a proper plug? Well, I'm going to tell you right now. I said, where do people find you, follow ah. you? Where do they hear, see you? And also tell us the tweets you like. So the new show is called The G Word. It's all about the federal government. Six episodes there on Netflix right now. Please watch them. Just so you know, if you want to support a show, best thing to do on Netflix is watch all of it as fast as you can. If you watch, just just even if you don't watch the last two episodes, just fucking hit play and let them just finish because then I get Netflix points. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> um, that's what they want to see is people, is people finish the show. So um, please watch it. Uh, if you want to watch my old show, Adam Ruins Everything, which I'm very proud of, it's all available on HBO Max. Uh, all 65 episodes are available there. Uh, I do a podcast called Factually, where every week I interview a different fascinating expert about all the shit that they know that I don't know and that you might not know. We have some of the best nonfiction writers, uh, journalists, incredible people on. I break down all of their incredible research in a really digestible way, make it really funny. Really proud of that show. Comes out every single week. It's called Factually. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. And I'm at Adam Conover, wherever. Uh, follow me on TikTok. I, I post... Uh, funny uh informational videos on tiktok uh basically daily so there it is there it is wait do you have any uh, ep- like works of twitter that you liked recently that you oh my god out? my the own or tweet? other people's oh, anyone you know i want to talk yeah. about my own is that okay i had sure. the most viral thread i ever did on twitter recently okay um and it was about rick caruso running for mayor of Boo. los angeles or what does he do? The Americana and, yeah. the, and the Grove. He gave yeah. us that. And he's Mr. Private Property over everything. Yeah. So this guy is a, a real quick. This guy's a billionaire real estate developer. He's running for the mayor of Los Angeles. He's flooding the 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 town with ads. You can't watch a Dodgers game or any other. You, know, you can't watch Jeopardy without seeing like tons of these ads. He looks so kindly in the ads. But he is a fucking right wing Republican. Yep. And he's going like, I'm Rick Crusoe. I love L.A. and I want to clean up L.A. <laughs> now, that sounds really good if you don't know much. But if you know the history <laughs> of of uh, right wing politics in California, you should be pretty scared of the phrase clean up L.A. Uh, this guy's anti-abortion. He's donated like hundreds of thousands of dollars to Mitch McConnell and shit. Mm-hmm. And his homelessness strategy is building like gigantic warehouses to like force all the homeless people into rather than building like permanent housing um, and like working with people one by one. He wants to like, he's like literally, literally his homelessness plan is build a, you can look at on his website. This is what it says. He wants to build a gigantic shelter out in Palmdale and like fucking force people like way out in the middle of the desert. Yeah. Horrible yeah. dude. He spent $30 million so far on ads. 
And what people don't realize is he could win the election in June because yeah. if he wins, oh, because of LA's weird rules, if he wins over 50% in the primary, he goes straight to the office. The, the, he skips the general. So it's really important people vote for anybody but Caruso. I'm sorry, I know you don't, I don't even do political shit like this that often, but I, this guy is- Well, you really do in LA. Place. I mean, we know you and you're, you're vocal. I mean, if you're, in, if you're in LA politics, we know you're pretty vocal about LA politics. Yeah, so we know, yeah, yeah, I am, I am. And, and that's, you, by the way, but... part of what we talk about on the G word, local politics, you can have so much more impact than on national politics. I just ignore Nancy Pelosi and I focus local. So anyway, right. I did a tweet thread about this guy, most viral tweet thread I've ever done. And so that's my favorite tweet lately is me trying to get the word out about this motherfucker who we got to stop. Hell yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like, don't forget, like many of the uh, land developers in the in the city of Los Angeles, they usually end up becoming the, you know, the commissioner of the L.A. Police Commission. So, yeah, yeah, this guy, this guy's the commissioner Fun of the fact. L.A. Police Department. But by the way, also, why do we have homelessness? The housing crisis. Why mm, do we have a housing absolutely. crisis? Housing has gotten so expensive. This guy's a luxury real estate developer. Mm -hmm. Why yeah. would we elect the dude who caused the problem to solve the problem? That's not the problem. He makes malls with choo-choo trains. <laughs> yeah. I like malls with choo-choo trains. Turn LA to mall with choo-choo trains. That's what I, I want. I want Katsuya near me now. <laughs> Look, <laughs> I go you. to the Americana and I go there to see movies at the AMC. Yeah. Shitty fucking fucking projection. The movies mm -hmm. look terrible at that movie theater. The food and sucks. The, the food sucks. That's Rick Caruso's <laughs> fault. All right. Yeah. So don't get if you want a Cinnabon, you can go give him money if you like. But don't for the love of God, don't vote for him for mayor. Please don't. No, please right. don't. Uh, Matt, what about you, man? Where can people find you, follow you, and check you out? Well, you can follow me uh, on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, Twitter, at Matt Lieb. Instagram, at Matt Lieb Jokes. And uh, you can please listen to my uh, Sopranos Rewatch podcast, Pod Yourself a Gun, the world's only Sopranos podcast. We are, this is our last season. Uh, and not only do we just t watch the episode and talk about it, but I do uh, parody songs. Uh, basically, mm -hmm. I just take a song and I, I I do the synopsis of the Sopranos episode in a, in the style of that song. It sounds lame, I know, but it's actually great. And Miles has been on. He had a great yeah. time. Anna's been on. Jack has been, been on. on. I mean, just like uh, was yeah, Jack, on? Yeah. Jack was on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The whole the whole Zeit crew has been on. So uh, yeah. check it out before uh, you know we finish. And. Um, yeah, pod yourself a gun and uh, Frogcast, which is our regular podcast in which we talk about movies. Tweets you like. What are you liking on the Twitters? Um, I really liked this from Crado Soprano uh, at Uncle June. <laughs> he wrote, Ezra Miller is the Ralph Cifaretto of Hawaii, which I uh, wow. which I really liked. Uh, just, you know, Ralph Cifaretto on the Sopranos, he was just kind of a wild card. He would just do random acts of violence. And kind of laugh yeah. about it, and uh, like gleeful random acts of violence is seems to be Ezra Miller's thing now. So uh, yeah, huh? Uh, let's see. A tweet that I like is from Sean Johnson at Sex with Your Uncle. Okay, cool. That's, <laughs> that's, a, great, that's uh, a great handle. Well, you are for your uh, tweeted. Imagine if Oasis said basketball instead of Wonderwall. I think that would be cool. <laughs> so stupid. Um, and James Hamblin at James Hamblin tweeted: Before you criticize Elon Musk's politics, remember he's the reason we have the Hyperloop train that gets you from LA to San Francisco in one hour. Yeah. 
<laughs> we do not. We uh, you can that. find me at Miles of Gray on Twitter and Instagram. Also check out the new basketball podcast, Mad Boosties. Uh, we had Robert Ori on this latest episode. Oh, shit. My, my Laker heart imploded in into itself, and I couldn't stop like asking so many dumb questions. That's amazing. Oh, and he's the nicest. He's the nicest man. The nicest man. I'm going to tell you more about it after this. Uh, And also check out 420 Day Fiance if you're into 90 Day. Uh, You can find us at Daily Zeitgeist on Twitter. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. we got a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes. Footnotes. There it is. Oh, shit. Yeah. I did it. Came through. Came through. Uh, Where we post, obviously, all the articles we talk about, as well as the songs that we write out on. This week, we are writing writing out on this track called Golden Green by this artist, Emma Jean Thackray, T-H-A-C-K-R-A-Y. She's a multi-instrumentalist, vocalist, which I love. I love when people are like, you know, one-person bands, and they have such a dope sound. This is one, like, if you like Bad Bad Not Good, you know, and you like kind of like that newer new jazz kind of style, but also, you know, you like a little hip hop in your life or something that feels like it would have been sampled by Mob Deep, then check out her work because it's really, really good. And it's all coming from Emma Jean. So check that out. So check that song out, write out on that, and we'll see you later to tell you what's trending. Until then, bye. Bye. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Hi, it's Jack O'Brien for Health Aid Kombucha. Uh, this bubbly probiotic tea blended with real fruit juice is deliciously thirst quenching. Uh, great for your gut health. Health Aid Kombucha comes in many flavors. Pink Lady Apple, your passion fruit tangerine, uh, ginger lemon is one of my favorites. It's organic, a great alternative to sodas and other sugary drinks. You guys know I'm a big soda fan. Well, what if I told you there was a fizzy drink that instead of making you feel like you were drinking chemicals. It made your tummy feel good. That is Health Aid Kombucha. Look for the brown bottle with an anchor in your local stores. Give it a try today. Makes my dang tum tum feel good. So make Health Aid Kombucha your go to for a healthier, happier you.